Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, beautiful human, and welcome back to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. Today, we're going to journey through peaks and valleys and not just of beautiful mountains, but also life's hardships and rewards. My guest, Jen Drummond, has climbed the second highest summits on each of the seven continents. She also juggles the demands of being a mom to seven wonderful children, and she founded Thriving Business Empires. But it's not just the altitude of her achievements that's breathtaking. It's the depth of her resilience, her insights, and her unwavering spirit. From surviving a car crash to writing a transformative book, which is actually called Quit Proof, Jen embodies what most people look for, which is a life not just of success, but a life of significance. So if you're ready, let's get in the details with Jen Drummond. Jen, welcome. Oh my goodness. What an intro. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all you, friend. That is literally all you. <laughs> We're going to give you yourself a pat on the back. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, thank you so much for being here. As I was just getting to know your story and, and reading about all the wonderful things that you're doing, I was definitely struck by, it sounds like a moment that gave you, I don't know, was it perspective or did it just change the way that you were considering how you're living? Or again, I think any kind of accident or life altering event can certainly check someone's mindset, if you will. But yes. I'm wondering what that experience was like for you. Where were you at the time of this car accident? You know, not where were you as far as physical location, but where were you in your mind, in your in your heart, in your soul? And also how did that change where you were in life? Yeah. So I was at a plateau in my life, I would say. I had a business that was successful. I had hired myself out of a job so I could be the stay-at-home mom. And I was the stay-at-home mom, which was very rewarding and definitely needed when my kids were all little. Everybody started getting into school full-time. And so then the way you show up just changes, right? Like all of a sudden I'm a room mom or soccer coach or these different things that I did because I could. I don't know if I did because I loved, right? Like maybe one room mom instead of five room, you know, like I just, I took on it because I was like, I didn't have a reason not to. And I was doing life. I wasn't thriving. I would say, if I look back on that time. I had told myself, once my kids go to college, then I can get back to me. But right now, this is the season that I'm in. And this is what moms do and blah, 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 blah. Yearning to get back into that work environment because my personality likes that. I do love stay-at-home moms. I did like being it for a while. It just wasn't as fulfilling for me once my kids got a little bit older as I had hoped. And so the car accident came kind of at a perfect time. Like I think life happens for us, not to us. 
And that's easier to say the further you are away from things that have happened for us. And I just remember like surviving the accident, getting a call from the police station saying like, we can't rebuild a scenario where you live, let alone walk away. You time that with a friend of mine died three weeks later. She was running on a trail, slipped, hit her head on a rock and never came home. Like a trail that we could push a stroller on. And so you had these two sequence of events like right next to each other at a time in my life where I was going through the motions. And that woke me up. It was an entire perspective shift. I do not get to choose when I die. Like I do not get to choose when I die because this doesn't make sense. But I do get to choose how I live. And that life is a gift. And my gift back to it is using it to its full potential and experiencing all these experiences that we have available to us. And before I kind of had this silent voice that was like, you should be happy. You're so lucky. Most people want to be a stay at home mom. Like all this stuff that was kind of keeping me where I was. Now I'm the person that's writing that, or I'm the person that's subscribing to that thought process. No one's shoving it down my throat. I mean, I might've felt it in areas, but again, that's still my interpretation of things. And I all of a sudden like shifted. I don't care what people think. I care that I might die tomorrow and there's a thousand things I want to go do. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm making bucket lists and I'm like my 2019, because the accident happened in 2018, my 2019, I was figuring out who I was again. And I told my kids, we're going to do life in parallel. Like mom put her life on hold for you guys. I absolutely love you. You are my reason why. But I need to show you how a mom does life excited, inspired, empowered. And while we figure this out, if it gets a little like messy or you don't like something, use your voice. Talk to me. We can make adjustments. But these are conversations that we started to have because I wanted to step into who I was and I wanted my kids to have a life that I was going to start leading versus the life that I was leading. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love that. There were several moments actually, as you were speaking that I started to get what I call truth bumps, yes. which yes. <laughs> it yes. resonated that deeply. And, and one is this perspective shift that I also recently had with my son, who's now 12. And I, you know, put my life on hold to focus on preserving his peace and his happiness after his dad died. And I realized I'm like, wait, what have I actually done to fulfill my desires and what would make, and the way I live is an example to my child who is watching me every single day. And while yes, it may feel noble that we, you know, put our kids first, but it also feels like the right thing to do, right? Nobody's doing it to win an award. It's also this strange feeling when you're like, Oh, wait, hold on. Who comes first? Because for me, what I found was it took me right back to my early grief days where if I put my oxygen mask on first, I would be better to take care of my son. And so it's like shifting out of that autopilot way of living or societal norms that were projected on us or whatever that looks like and really stepping into the fullness of life because you're right. Life is precious. We don't know how many minutes we have on this earth. And for me, I'm like, I'm trying to maximize every minute and not just through revenue or, you know, through a business that I'm building, but the quality of life that I'm living. So you said there's a bucket list that 
came shortly after. I am curious, what were some of those things on the bucket list and how have you already tackled them? Some of them, how's it going? Oh, I, my bucket list is going to take me four lifetimes because <laughs> here's what happens. Like you go do something, yeah. right? So uh, the second summit quest kind of came about and I went to Antarctica and I climbed that peak in Antarctica. Well, you're down Wait, in that Antarctica. was the first place that you went? That's not the first one, but it's one of them, right? Oh, okay. I was so going to say, way to go big on the first one, Jen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Saved Antarctica, but I went to Antarctica and then all of a sudden I'm there. I'm like, well, now there's seven things I want to do in Antarctica that I didn't even know I wanted to do until I got here, right? So this list like just keeps growing because as you explore and experience, you your doors open to more opportunity and more things to pursue. But the real thing was, as I started doing things like looking at this list, and I started breaking it up into decades. I'm like, okay, I was turning 40 in 2020. So I was looking at what can I do in my 40s that are going to be harder to do in my 80s? Oh, right? that's a good Museums are in like the 80s. Okay. Like you could, I can do a wheelchair at a museum. I cannot do a wheelchair up the side of a mountain. So I started like doing that kind of thing. And then as you start exploring, you realize like, oh, there's even more to this. And then, you know, you have children and your children get expired by, inspired by certain things. Like my daughter has this fascination with macaroons. And so she wants to go to Paris to try them. And so I'm like, I'll go to Paris to try a macaroon. Like that sounds like a fabulous idea. <laughs> so it just keeps evolving and expanding and all the different things. I love that. I love that. And so it sounds like from that experience, you really took what you said. It wasn't that the accident happened to you. It happened for you. But what did it take for you to actually reshape that narrative? Because it, it, you know, the reality is that it is something that happened in your life, but it is hard for some people to find, I would like to say the plot twist, because in I mean that in the best way, right? Because yeah, when yeah. hard things happen, all we think about is this is terrible, that this is negative, this is unhealthy, whatever it is. When really there's a plot twist behind that if you choose to look for it. So how do you help someone else if you were to coach someone or even just talk to someone through that on reshaping life happened to me into life happens for me? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's not an overnight switch. I mean, I wish it was. If I use the analogy of this car crash, I went down to the dealership two days after the crash and picked out a new car and... I went to get in the car to drive and I sat in the parking lot for 45 minutes giving myself a pep talk. Like, I don't know why I didn't think like I was going to have to drive a car home. <laughs> like it just, I, you know, like it was just one of those things that it just didn't register. I got a ride there because I didn't have a car. And then they had a car on the lot randomly enough. So we got all these things, these things worked out. And then they gave me the keys and I go to get in the car and I was like, oh, I need mm -hmm. to drive this thing like mm -hmm. on big roads, like, wow. And so I sat there and I was like, okay, well, if I don't drive now, it's going to get bigger. Like, so I like, eventually it's either I get bigger or the, like the obstacle gets bigger and I have to decide what's going to happen. So I started edging out into the road. I started driving. I was on the highway. Anytime I saw a semi, like my body had a physical response. Like my heart started racing. I started gripping onto the steering wheel tight. I would try to get into the farthest lane away from it because I just, it was so, it was crazy. Like it just took over. And I will say that was like that for six months. Mm. So I could drive in town, no problem. But when I got on the highway again, anytime I was by a semi, my heart would race. 
And then after about six months, like I remember one day driving down to Salt Lake to go to Costco. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't get anxiety ridden. I didn't have my heart go into my throat. I actually, like I made it here and it was like, okay. So knowing from that experience, any change we make, it's going to be that white knuckle gripping for a little bit because we have to override our autopilot and be intentional about what we're doing until eventually the autopilot's like, okay, this is our new way. This is okay. Mm -hmm. There's a great Steve Jobs quote, and it says, you don't always know where you're going, but you can turn around and you can connect the dots. And I feel like that's not just, I'm sure he said that in a business meeting or something where it was like tied to business and or entrepreneurship or what have you. But I, I really feel that way, even in my own life of even hard times I went to in middle school or things I went through in college and the lessons I learned from those experiences, the new perspective that came, the you know mindset shift that started to unfold because of that hard or challenging experience. And it does take some work and it does feel messy and it's not always going to feel comfortable. So I appreciate you, you know, calling that out because that's part of the process. And I think we also need to normalize that part of the process. It's not always going to feel good, but do it anyway. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had a fear of heights. So I get into this mountaineering thing. I'm wait, really- wait, wait, what? <laughs> yes. I know Pause it's crazy. right there. The woman who scaled the second summit. On- what? Yeah. I had no idea because I can ride a chairlift. I can like walk on those things in a skyscraper, like all that woo woo, whatever. Well, then when I go on actually physically climbing a rock, I, because one of the climbs was more of a rock climb than a mountaineering expedition. And so I went to train and I was all of a sudden like 10 feet off the ground and I started sweating. My legs started shaking. I thought I was going to puke. I call, I'm like, I need to climb down. So I climbed down and I looked at my coach. I'm like, what just happened? He goes, you're afraid of heights. I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't be afraid of heights. Like, how do I not know I'm afraid of heights? And he's like, no, you are afraid of heights. That's what people do that are afraid of heights. I'm like, well, that's not an option. So we need to figure something out. <laughs> so he goes, okay, well, listen, you're going to have to go back up there and you have to go one handhold higher. So I went up the rock wall, went one handhold higher, came all the way back down. Went up again, went one handhold higher than that and came all the way back down. And the interesting thing is we eventually found out that I was afraid of heights from 10 feet to about 30 or 35 feet. After that, like the distance was so, like there's such a big distance that my body didn't freak out. But from 10 to 35 feet, it was a physiological shift. It wasn't just like this mind thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea when people feel fear, this is what it can feel like. And so I could work it out of my system and I have worked it out. Like if I haven't been climbing in a while, I do need to go work through that for a couple like moves before I go all the way through. But yeah, that was a thing for sure. Wow. Wow. That is so interesting. And what a great story of like, feel fear and do it anyway. Like how much do you really want this thing that you're going toward that's important to you, right? And for you, it's like living life fully, experiencing these things that are on my bucket list and in the midst of the, that pursuit, you then feel something that is like so visceral that you're like, I don't even think that I can do this and you do it anyway. I mean, yeah, listen, your kids are so lucky to have you as a mama. I love this. Now, how did that feel though? So I'm imagining on any of these 
I don't call them expeditions. Maybe that's very yeah. old school. It sounds very no, low. Perfect. Lewis and Clark. Is perfect. <laughs> but if, uh, if you have you, I'll say it this way, have you experienced those kind of challenging moments or fearful moments during a climb? And if you did, how did you overcome it while you weren't in training? You were literally out there meant to do the thing. How did you overcome it in that moment? Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you an example on Everest. I went to climb Everest to train for K2 and there's the ladders that we all see, right? Like people walking across these huge crevasses on these ladders. So I practice the ladders at home on like in my backyard, but at home they're all steady and stable and all this kind of stuff. When you have them on snow and the sun melts the metal on the eye, like it like twists and turns and every step you feel, you can like, it feels it. And I just remember getting up to the ladder. I'm like, oh my gosh, like my kids whole school is involved in this pursuit, right? Like I told the school that I was going to go climb this mountain. I'd never been away from home. Could they like keep an extra eye on my kids? And the school had this idea of like, well, why don't you come in and teach kids about setting goals? And we'll put like a big mountain in the front of the school. And then we'll have your tracking device on a little tracker here. So then the kids can see where you are in the mountain. So I'm looking at this, this crevasse and this ladder. I'm like, I have like a school watching me. Like I do not have a choice of not crossing this ladder as much as I want to throw up and die right now. It is not okay. And so what I did is like, there's 99 things I could have focused on that would have sunk me. But the one thing that I could focus on that wouldn't was safe feet. So I literally said to myself the entire time I'm crossing this ladder, holding on to like these like ropes that wiggle any step you take is safe feet, safe feet, safe feet, safe feet. And I had that mantra repeating the entire time so that a negative thought couldn't work its way in, right? Mm. There was no space for it because I'm talking it out loud. And so there's nothing that can stick to you because it's like the Velcro is already full. Does that make sense? Yes. So any put like, that's what, you know, they talk about mantras and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you should have a mantra. Okay. The mantras work mm -hmm. if you need them to work in circumstances. And you're like, okay, safe feet, safe feet, safe feet. That doesn't allow this thought to be like, you're going to fall. You're going to die. You're crazy. You're afraid of heights. You're all these things that aren't going to get me across that ladder. The right. only thing that's going to get me across this ladder is having safe feet. And so I just kept repeating that the entire time. Right. And I think everybody teased me the rest of the expedition. How are your safe feet? I'm like, you know what? They're fantastic. They're they keeping me safe. <laughs> Complain all you want. I have safe feet. Darn it. Yeah. I love that. That is packed with wisdom. That right there is packed with so much wisdom because you are right. What you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on your problems or your fear, oh, that's all you're going to see. And then that's all you're going to feel in your body because the brain sending those signals to the rest of your nervous system then impacts the way that you're feeling from a literally from a physiological experience, which then can make you unsafe and unsteady, which then can put you into harm's way because you've opened yourself up for that. And so it, yeah. I think that's so beautiful, especially for you to 
focus in on if I say this out loud, it doesn't leave room for those other things I could try. And that I think is so, so key. I mean, you put yourself through some serious mental strength training, my friend. I am highly, highly impressed. Yes, was there I, any- I, I could get an A plus in mental gymnastics. I'm just yeah. saying there was like an Olympics for mental gymnastics, A plus right here. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I'd be signing off on that as well. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. But before we dive deeper, we're going to hear from one of our partners, and then we'll pick right back up where we left off. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win The Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. And so I'm sure that you had a lot of, you know, very challenging moments, but were there any special, significant, you know, memorable moments during any of those climbs that really just, I don't know, maybe gave you even that sense of satisfaction, right? Like I'm conquering life right now. I'd love to hear what that moment was like for you. Yeah, I have one. I can almost cry like talking Mm -hmm. about it still because I'm just humbled that life is as magic as it can be. I failed K2 my first time. So K2 National Geographic has called it the woman eater and like a savage mountain that tries to kill you. And it has this huge reputation. And when I was there in 2021, we had an avalanche knock out a team member. Another one was frostbite. Another one got injured. Like I was one of the only people to walk away from that expedition intact. And so I knew I had to go back because this was part of my quest. And I, I, you can't skip K2 and get the world record. So I was coming back and I was scared and nervous. Like I knew what I was walking into more so than the first time. There's a little bit of like bliss when you're naive that night. Like I was no longer naive. There was a, someone knew I was coming back. They reached out to me and they said, Hey, Jen, there's the first Pakistani female that's trying to climb her country's prized peak. She doesn't have the resources to make it happen. Do you think you can do something? And I'm like, yeah. I can do something. So I bring over some gear and other ways that I could help. And I get on top of K2. I'm the third American female. So that's kind of cool to be the third American female on top of K2. We're not going to downplay that. That is really freaking cool, Jen. It's (laughs) not kind (laughs) of. But what's really cool is 30 minutes after I summited, the first Pakistani female stood on top of her country's prized peak, a Muslim woman. I have twin daughters. I know how significant it is for them to see me in places that maybe I don't belong. And when you can trigger that curiosity into other people's minds, there's so many opportunities that ripple from those type of events. And I am just humbled to this day that I got to be a part of that story because that's significant. That is significant. Wow. Yeah. What a beautiful experience to, to even like play a a small part, because like, this is the, I mean, honestly, this is like the beauty of humanity, 
you know, where you can meet somebody else where they are to even help them just a little bit so they can go further. Like I'm literally getting teary. I don't even know why. I don't know why. No, I know it's such an emotional story and it's just so interesting. And like, it comes back to like, I wrote this book called quit proof. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I wrote it, because I wrote it to a version of me five years ago when I was just going through the motions of life. And I'm like, we cannot quit. And what sets our heart on fire? Because I'm telling you what, if you look at my last five years of life, I am no one special. I had never climbed a mountain before. I hadn't slept in a tent before. I hadn't done anything weird, right? Like I, I, I was just that normal person doing the things that you'd see at the grocery store. And because I like started following this passion in my heart, like the universe stood up and said, okay, let's do this. And here's ways and blah, 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 blah. And I look at like some of these ripple effects of me doing me that's benefited the whole world. That's every single one of us. That's not me. So like I wrote this book to all of you listening, like do not quit on yourself selfishly. I know I benefit if you don't. Yes. Yes. We all do. We all do. We all do. do. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What does being quit proof mean to you? You know, it means to continue to follow your heart. Doesn't mean you don't quit projects. It doesn't mean you don't pivot or learn something about yourself in the pursuit, but you don't know until you're on the pursuit, right? It's like when you start taking steps forward, doors open, doors close, things become available to you that weren't available to you before. Life is lived in the arena. You know, Brene Brown has really brought that alive for all of us. And it's that vulnerability. It's that willing to say like, hey, I failed or hey, this didn't work or hey, it did. And doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. What matters is that we're living. Like who cares what the result is? Just experience the gift of life every day. Mm, And gift is, I mean, that's the perfect word because it is a gift. It is a gift for us to be able to do all of the things that are available to us. If we choose to be curious if we choose to be open, if we choose to be bold and daring, there's so much life to live. And the only person who's blocking us from living it is ourself. No, and, like, right. Yeah. Like I tell my kids, I'm like, love is always there. If you're not feeling it, you're the one who's blocking it. So let's figure out where you're blocking it. Mm, that is beautiful, Jen. That is beautiful. So I wonder, are there any strategies from your book that you feel like would be helpful for other people who are specifically in business? And the reason I'm asking that is because there are a lot of different ways that we can transform you know, our, our lives. And we'll be on that quest for our entire life, right? right. <laughs> if we want to evolve, we'll continue to transform. But when you are an entrepreneur, when you're a business owner, and there are things that are practically not clicking together. You want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. You want to, you know, maybe, maybe somebody says pivot instead of quit, but basically you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And so I know a lot of our listeners are business owners and um, small business and larger business, but those entrepreneurs, how can they dig in their heels? How can they apply, you know, this mentality? What strategies from the book would you suggest that they start to apply to their journey today? Yeah, I feel we become most resilient when we operate from center, right? Mm. So like if I just ate a healthy lunch, I'm not going to make bad food decisions in the next three hours, 
right? Maybe hour four, but probably the next three hours, I'm pretty good. Okay. (laughs) So you always like when I start realizing I'm making poor decisions or not showing up as the person I want to be, that means I'm not in center. And so for me to stay centered is I need to have trigger meditations. Mm -hmm. And so depending on what you're doing, where your life leads you or how your day looks, where can you set up triggers that allow you to just stop for a second and recenter? So for me, I work from home a lot. So anytime I touch a door, right? So the doorknob, that's a trigger for me to take three deep breaths. Just it's less than a minute. It slows down any momentum of anything that's going on in my life right now and allows me to become intentional about what my next move is. And it gets you out of autopilot. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Every single time you take a drink of water, every single time you leave your desk, every single time you make a phone call, whatever that is, is setting up triggers throughout your day that allows you to come back to center and make sure that you're doing things from that place instead of like already stretched out. Yeah, that's such a, oh my gosh. You know, we get so busy and we get so caught up in all the demands that are just piling up for us that maybe we don't think about how that moment is actually refueling us so that we are not thinking about quitting so that we're not thinking about running away. So, right. I I've never thought about it that way, but to your point, some of the ways that I incorporate this centering is through gratitude. Like, and I feel, and I really, as you were saying that I was like, wow, I don't think I realized how much that helped to keep me anchored in the privilege it is to be a business owner. I am very grateful, even though there are hard times. I mean, listen, you know, there are some really, really, really hard times in business, especially if you're growing because all of those Like I tell the universe, I'm like, I think I have enough content for right now. Like, let's just dial back the content stories. We're good. We got it. We next book already written. Thank you. (laughs) No, true. But, but I guess now that I'm reflecting, you know, the small things, like I see the sun, I'm like, God, thank you so much for the sun and the sky. Every night before I go to bed, I always just say, thank you. As soon as I put my head on the pillow, thank you for today. And those little moments, yeah, they do add something to your reservoir. You know, they do give you that little spark or, or again, I feel like refueling is the best way to put it because that's what it does to make sure you're not ending up on E. Yeah. I always call it like recharge and recenter, recharge Mm. and recenter. And what does that look like? And, you know, and to your point of having the gratitude piece, I have a red light by my house and I'm on the short side. So I hit that red light all the time. And I used to get so grumpy about it. But then one day I was sitting there, I'm like, the red light does not care that it's red. Only (laughs) I am making this a bad situation instead of a good situation. And so I finally turned that red light into my gratitude light. So now every single time I hit that red light, it's a trigger to start being grateful for things and running through my gratitude list. And so, and when my kids are in my car, they understand it and we'll actually get bummed. We're like, man, we hit the light green. We don't get to go through our gratitude (laughs) right now. And that's something that all of us can employ. Anytime you hit a red light, be like that, let that be your trigger to trigger gratitude and start saying, oh, this is a pause that the universe gave me for me to recenter and recharge. Hmm. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And so true. I live around a bunch of stop signs. So I'm like, I might have to sit longer if nobody's behind me, but, but no, that's so true. And I found in my journey that gratitude has been one of the, one of the best habits of I've established to help me keep that healthier perspective in life. You know what I mean? Like 
because again, life gets so busy and it also can be just stressful, especially when we're dealing with our children, because then their problems mm -hmm. become our problems, their emotions become our, you know, we're trying to navigate this with them, but we're carrying the weight of everything that they're going through. And to be intentional about how we take care of ourselves is really should be the priority. And it sounds like you You've nailed it. I mean, you've nailed it, Jen. It's, it's sound, progress. It's a work in progress, it, but we're doing it. We're doing it, the best it, we can. It is. It is. What do you think uh, if your kids could say something about you okay. that they are most proud of, their mom, what do you think that would be? Um, you know, I heard my kids say the other day, my mom gets stuff done. <laughs> so, oh. you know, like, like somebody was like, we need to do something. He's like, oh, I'll ask my mom. My mom gets stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, that's not a bad thing to be known for. I'll take it. I love that compliment. And honestly, there's so much that can come from that. There's so totally. much that can come from that. But if anything, they know that you're reliable, that they can come to you, that, that you are a go-getter and all of those things that they see in you it's just going to impact their life. And what you said earlier, like a ripple effect. I believe yeah. so much in the power of the ripple effect. It's why I chose to take responsibility for my response to life after experiencing tragedy was like, because I know that if I choose to be a victim and to be bitter, that's going to make a ripple effect in my son's life. But if I choose to find healing, to be open to growth, to all of that is then also going to impact my son's life. And when we think about it from that perspective, how is your life impacting those around you? I think that's where we really tip from, I'm trying to create a successful life to, I want to create a life that is I feel fully satisfied with because it does go back to those connections that are around us and the way our life is impacting them. 100%. Yes. Mm. Well, I have some rapid fire questions as we wrap right. up. I don't want the conversation to end, Jen, but <laughs> we'll just have to have you back. We're just going to have to make that we'll happen. We'll do a round two. Sure. Yes. 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 <laughs> Let's get into these rapid fire questions. First, when you think about self care, what fills your cup? I'm a meditator. Like, I like to yep. slow down. Yes, I'm an easy person to start and a hard person to stop. So for me to give myself that pause before starting is a really good gift for me. Yeah. Do you meditate daily, often? You know, not even like structured, right? It's not like I wake up and do this is this. It's I just always try to plug that pause in because I am just naturally go, go, go. And I know I'm taking care of myself when I allow those pauses throughout the mm -hmm. day. Yes. Same, same. I remember feeling I was meditating wrong for the longest. Oh, and then I realized that, oh, I'm actually doing it right because it was just noticing the thoughts, not not thinking. And so instead of me wanting to create these long periods of meditation, I actually just started to do drop-ins and they could be short bursts, but you're right. They really do help you to carve out those pockets of peace in an otherwise very busy, busy or maybe hectic day. So I love how you mentioned that. Thank you. So what is one mistake? that you have learned in parenting mm -hmm. that has helped you to become a better mom? Oh, you know, trusting the other human, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think I always felt like I'm the adult and I know the best way for you, or I know how this looks, or I know how this is going to play out. It doesn't matter if I know how it's going to play out or how it works. It matters for my child to have that experience and understand it. So mm -hmm. I can give guidance but then just allow the space for them to have the repercussions of their actions mm -hmm. and say, 
these are the choices you made. I gave you some guidance. You didn't take them. That's okay. You don't have to, but you also have to then live with the consequences of the choices you made. And that's been, I used to short circuit that. And now I'm just like, here it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what's the best way to learn a lesson? Probably to live through it. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And if I short circuit that lesson, then it comes back in a more extreme form. And then we're all dealing with it at a different level. So I've learned to really just step back and say, do you want some advice? Nope. Okay, fine. Well, you do what you want to do and we'll see how it goes. And not from like a, I hold you so, or ha ha ha. It's more from a, okay, this is your experience of life. I'm here to support you on this journey. So let's see what happens. Yes. Yes. I love that perspective. Okay. Last question. All expenses paid vacation to anywhere in the world. Where are you going and who are you bringing with you? I'm going to guess Paris because there's macaroons in there. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. If I like see like, yeah. So actually I want to go back to South Africa. I had been there. I took my twin daughters and I tried to convince my whole family to move for a year to have the experience and they weren't in it. Um, So we are not there. But if I, if everybody was in, I would go there for a year and just have that environment around us. Yes. Oh, I love that because that is also on my list. Ooh, it's gorgeous. Top of my list. Yes. (laughs) If I go, I'll just call you. Please. the girls if they don't want to come. Let's go, Jen. (laughs) Let's go. We're in. We're on it. I love it. (laughs) Oh, well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing your light with our audience. I'm looking forward to reading Quit Proof because, I mean, your life is just the evidence of all of the things that are possible if we just say yes. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.